0: again and welcome to episode 108 of Bee Boomer Unleashed. Just good news, journal entry number six. I'm Jerry Lake, the Unleashed Baby Boomer, and I'll be your host for today's episode and all the episodes of Bee Boomer Unleashed. Before we get into today's episode, let me remind you, as I always do, where you can find our podcast. You can find us at bboomerunleashed.podbean.com. You can find us on iTunes and Google Play at BBoomerUnleashed, on iHeartRadio at b.boomerunleashed. And on Facebook, Spotify, and Instagram you can find our link at bboomer unleashed. And on Twitter you can find our link at bboomerunleash one. And as always, we encourage you to drop us an email at bboomerunleashed at gmail.com. Once again, that's bboomerunleashed at gmail.com with your comments, your criticisms, and your suggestions for future episodes. And if you'd like to be a guest on the bboomer unleashed podcast or know someone who should be a guest on the bboomer unleashed podcast, then uh, we encourage you to Drop us a line and tell us what you or your friend would like to talk about, and we'll do our best to get you on the podcast. Well, today's episode 108 is with a young lady named Deborah Davis who grew up in Proctorville, Ohio, but later she married a young man from the right side of the river in West Virginia here, so she's one of us now. Deborah has an outstanding story to tell how God took What looked like a tragedy and has turned it into something really beautiful. So without further ado, let's go to our recorded interview with Deborah Davis now. Well, our guest today is a young lady by the name of Deborah Davis who grew up across the river. She's one of those Buckeyes, but we won't hold that against her. Uh, She grew up in Proctorville at uh, her church was First Baptist Church in Procterville. Dr. John Alley was the pastor there. And I've known Deborah for several years, but I've known her husband ever since he was in the nursery at Antioch Baptist Church. So I've uh, known the family and, and known about them for many years. And her father-in-law, Bill Davis, uh, who, was the, who was the retired pastor from Antioch Baptist Church, is. Certainly a good friend of mine and uh, a real mentor to me over the years. But Deborah is going to be talking with us a little bit about today, today about uh, her three daughters. And she has three, Ryan, Riley, and Kamen. And uh, she's going to tell us about uh, those girls. And uh, then uh, along the way, uh, God saw fit to take a couple of her daughters uh, to heaven and uh, Uh, We're going to look at something that most people would look at as uh, a tragic occurrence. And of course, uh, uh, nothing like that is ever pleasant from the human standpoint. But God has taken that and turned it into something really good. And she's going to tell us about that today. We're so pleased to have you on our podcast today, Deborah. Welcome. Welcome.
1: Thank you. This is my first experience with podcasting, so thank you for being so welcoming.
0: Well, good. I'm glad. I'm glad that B Boomer and Least is your first, and I hope it's not your uh, not your last. Deborah, Deborah, tell us a little bit about Deborah and uh, about growing up and and uh, how we got to where we are today.
1: Sure. Um, As you said, I am from Ohio. Um I, my husband teases and likes to say that I'm now a luxury import to the state. There you um, go. We've been married. Yeah, we uh, actually met during our uh, senior year of high school and got married a few years later and in the fall of this year um we've been married for 22 years. Wow. Um so I consider myself essentially at this point I've lived in West Virginia um, over half my life. So I drive like a West Virginian. I talk like a West Virginian. Um, so I you're officially
0: a you're officially a hillbilly. That's what you're saying now. Right? I
1: I am. I pay taxes on both sides of the road, so <laughs> I drive on both sides of the road. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, yeah. And um, I, you know, I mean, I don't know what would be the first thing I would say about me. I would hope that people would say I'm friendly. Um, I really enjoy getting to know people, especially people who are totally different than me and have different ideas than me. I just find that um, a challenge and interesting, and I just have always enjoyed diversity, Um, not knowing, obviously, how God would prepare us down the road um, with that. So I grew up uh, in a household where we always were around children who had disabilities, um, I had a friend who had cerebral palsy, and it was very normal for her, her to be invited to my birthday parties, and if she couldn't get down in the floor, um, then, or when she would get out of the wheelchair and roll in the floor, then I made all my friends the exact same because that's how she got around. <laughs> um, so, I was really blessed uh, growing up, disability was just always part of my life, and more importantly than that, um, it was... It wasn't really talked about. It was just very accepted that this is part of life and it's not a big deal. And, you know, they're valued and important people as well. Um, And, you know, obviously God puts things in your life as you're growing up to prepare you for Mm down the road. So for us, um, Aaron did not grow up around disability. So it was a lot more difficult for him to acclimate to. Um, But I'm very grateful that for me, it's always just been a part of my life. Um, So when Erin and I got married, we had Ryan first. She's our atypical, um, well, not atypical. I'd say she's our type A, (laughs) you know, firstborn, overachiever. Um, She's currently at Concord on a running scholarship. And we're just so proud of her. She's done a great job her freshman year there and um, really enjoying freedom and growing and uh, new friends and just all the experiences with college. Um, And then, like you said, we also had Riley and Kamen. They were our youngest two, and Riley was born first, and she was born, um, to our knowledge, um, after a normal pregnancy and delivery. um, She looked physically um, just like any child, beautiful. We we have very chubby babies, and they have lots of hair and long legs. That's kind of what we're known (laughs) for when we have kids. Um, Beautiful hair and long legs. But we knew, Aaron and I knew fairly quickly, being second-time parents, that um, something just was different, and um, we really, I don't think it was anyone's fault that they didn't listen. I think that because there were no physical anomalies, and Riley was so beautiful, um, people just kind of thought we were being, medical staff, I think, felt like maybe we were being, um, I don't know, worried, we worried needlessly. We brought Riley home, and within um, a day of bringing her home, we had her back at the hospital where she coded uh, right in front of us. Oh wow! And we, yeah. So I mean, obviously very devastating as a mom. I had just given birth, um, so dealing with all the physicality and the emotion of that, and then to see your precious child um, who everybody said was fine, is obviously not fine. Uh, we were extremely blessed that she was transferred to a local hospital that has a pediatric intensive care unit. Um, so she went in there, and it took about um, I want to say four or five weeks for them to even diagnose her. The girls are overachievers; they don't have anything normal that you would have heard about. It's a very rare, yeah, it's a very rare disorder. That impacts their metabolic system first, which in turn affects their neurologic systems. Wow. And yeah, it's just very rare. The kids um, have no physical, um, they don't look different. They're beautiful. Um, And uh, not that all children are not beautiful, obviously. Um, But for us, uh, there was a lot of testing and everything kept coming back normal and this lady came in one day she was a neurologist there at the hospital and she said you know i have seen this one other time at john hopkins when i did my fellowship there and i have an idea of what this possibly might be but it's going to involve some additional testing which includes a spinal tap which obviously can be painful um so would you give me permission to test her for that and we said yes, I mean, we were just desperate to know what was going on. I mean, she'd been ventilated for several weeks, and no one could figure it out. So we did the testing, and it came back as this really rare disorder called non hyperglycinemia. And what that means is um, glycine is the chemical in the body during utero that forms all the pathways in the spinal cord to the brain. And our girls have too much of that chemical. And the only way you can test for it is a spinal tap and a lot of the kids either pass in utero or they pass shortly after birth and it's diagnosed as SIDS mm. so the majority of SIDS deaths are actually undiagnosed metabolic disorders which we had no idea about um, so it just was the oddest thing our doctor after Dr. Jones for Riley um, afterwards said you know the only reason I'm in West Virginia is I like to kayak And oddly enough, she had done her fellowship at the only hospital that had the only expert for this disorder. And when I say she was an expert, I think at the time she had maybe treated three children in the States with this disorder. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, we just immediately throughout the entire process, God just has continually put people in our lives that whether they were people of faith or not, God used these people to encourage us and to help us with resources and um, to kind of bolster us as we went through life with Riley and you know we've always said loving the girls has been easy when it's your child you really that's the easiest part the hard part is when you have a child with a disability as you are suddenly in this position where you have to depend on other people to help you with care and you have to trust strangers to help you with resources and when we brought Riley home from the hospital um, you know the the intensivists were very clear about she probably wouldn't make the car ride home and we said we understand that and we're aware but we're gonna go pick up her sister ryan and we're gonna have ice cream and we're gonna live for whatever time god allows us to live with her and i'm not quite sure where we were that why we were that bold (laughs) (laughs) i i think that we were so happy to just get her out of the hospital and away from the beeps and the noises and the eyes looking at us constantly. And um, I, I don't know. I think we were just too dumb to realize that we should have been terrified. So we told the staff, you know, you've got 24 hours to teach us everything we need to know about her care with seizures and tube feedings and all these things involved with a child who has comprehensive medical needs. And they just stepped up to the plate and were so available to us even after uh, we were discharged Um, we could always call all of her medical team any hour of the night we always had cell phone numbers to call them direct Um, just wonderful people who really made us brave enough to go out and live life And i think that's just was such a gift to us at a young as a young couple raising young children Uh, we just were so encouraged to just live and live really well. And I think that's one of probably the best lessons we've had from Riley is life obviously is so precious that we all know that. Um, But we just want to be so intentional about what we're doing and aware of where we're at and who we're with and um, just so appreciative of all the gifts that God's given us. And Riley's life verse was from Psalms 139, uh, 13 through 16 about how she's fearfully and wonderfully made intentionally by God exactly the way that he intended. And he, you know, her frame wasn't hidden from him and while she was being made in secret and woven, um, you know, God knew everything that was going to happen. He knew every day that was written for her. Um, and he intentionally meant this to happen. And um, that's very liberating as a Christian to know that they're, we didn't really have to worry. Like, God still was with us. God was still for us. Nothing was against us. He still has plans to prosper and not to harm. Um, all we have to do is just trust in him and love this little girl. And that's what we did um, for 11 years. You know, we, we loved her, took care of her. Um, she went on every vacation with us. She was a valued member of not just our family but the community. And she had friends and friends across the country, and she had a blog that people followed. And um, you know, Riley brought out the best in anybody that met and fell in love with her. And as a parent, like, what better thing can you say about your child than that they bring out the best in people? Mm-hmm. Um, so right, the girls were, um, you know, growing up, and we were expecting again, and we had Cayman. And I knew during the pregnancy, I just definitely felt like she would be just like Riley um, by the way I carried her. And she was born and she survived for a week with it. Um, mm. So her life was different. Um, it wasn't as long. We didn't get to annoy her as much. But for those, we brought her home on her fifth day of life. And on her seventh day, she went home to rest. Oh, wow. um, but our our family has been very... I, we do realize on a logical level that a lot of people, because we hear it, you know, we're from West Virginia. You hear a lot of, oh, bless, bless, you know? Yeah. Oh, they're precious, they're precious, you know? Right. Um, but we're like, look, we, we have lived such an extraordinarily exceptional life and God has blessed us throughout and he's put wonderful people in our life. We had a couple of ladies at our church who just, took it upon themselves to come to our home and say, look, we're just going to help you with Riley and we're going to help with her care and you can go take a nap and we're going to watch her and love on her. And to have people who at the start were essentially strangers to us come into our home and fall in love with our daughters and fall in love with us and we with them, um, you know, you learn really quickly that family's not just blood. Uh, we kind of, God created our own little tribe and, Riley brought all these great people into our life, um, so we we just are extremely, extremely blessed, and we, we do realize from the outside looking in, especially for non-believers, but even for believers, um, people see what we've been through as a burden or um, a heartbreaking or, you know, a failure of God to protect us, and we just have never looked at it that way, and I can't really tell you why we have this hope <laughs> uh, and in us. I just know that we have it and we know that throughout everything that God has just walked alongside of us and carried us and loved us up and grown us up and expanded our hearts and the way that we see people and the way that we value people, especially people who are different from us, whether that's race or um, religion or religion. You know, there's just so much value in people because God created them. Um, so we—they've definitely taught us a lot. But we, like I told you earlier, you no, know, we're not—we're not a family of lemons. Right. We're not making lemonade in this household. Right.
0: <laughs> now, how know, old was uh, how old was Ryan when Riley was born?
1: Uh, our girls are all a year and a half apart. Um, so when she was born, uh, Ryan would have been almost two. So big change for a little kiddo. And, you know, we we brought Riley home and we just let Ryan play with her like she would any sibling. And, you know, they had girl time. Ryan was always, as a firstborn, she's very intelligent. And the neurologist for Riley used to say she's the only two-year-old I've ever met I could have a full conversation (laughs) with. Um, And Ryan just, she'd say, hey, I've got to have my time with Sissy. And we would shut the door. We put Riley in there with her wheelchair and uh, she had a high low base so we could we could put her low on the floor where Ryan could reach her and you know Aaron and I would kind of crack the door and keep checking in just to make sure everything was okay and sometimes she played dress up and dress Riley up and sometimes it was makeup and stickers. It was quite common for Riley to come out of Ryan's room looking like a drunken sailor (laughs) Um, but but they had a great time together. Um, and as the girls grew up together, um, it, it's such a joy to see Ryan's compassion, um, not just for her sister Riley and for Kamen, but that's carried over into her everyday life too. And if, if Ryan's ever in a group setting and there's an underdog or there's somebody that feels left out, she just naturally t- tends to gravitate towards that person Um so it's just a joy to watch Ryan, and um, as Riley grew up, Ryan was the one who was protective and threatening the other kids if anybody made fun of Riley, or frankly, any student at school that was different. Ryan would look out for him. Um, she always made sure that Ryan had, Riley had really good music. She's like, "Mom, she can't listen to Disney. We need to be age appropriate. <laughs> um, she always made sure that Riley's hair looked great she she does a mean fishtail braid and my girls have given to locks of love three or four times they all have hair down to their waist yeah um so she was just a huge part of um riley's life but we were also super careful as parents to make sure that she wasn't a caregiver right um she was always a sister and a friend and for us that was really important we never made ryan watch riley because we wanted um we just we wanted that relationship to stay as sisters as much as we could.
0: Well, that's great. You know, uh, Ryan, um, uh, I'm sure benefited uh, greatly from her relationship with Riley and then her short mm-hmm. time with Cayman. What's mm-hmm. Ryan doing in college? Has she declared a major yet? What's she uh, What's she doing?
1: Yeah, she has. She has. Um, she has actually. She started running, um, in sixth grade, and um, just kind of. One summer came home and said, literally a day after I'd just seen her in the pool eating Cheetos and ding-dongs, she said, hey, I'm going to go out for (laughs) 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 cross-country. And Erin and I looked at her and said, number one, wow, that's so awesome that she's that brave and bold and unafraid. We're not going to discourage that, especially as parents to girls. We are going to embrace that. So we said, Ryan, that's awesome we support it. Just keep in mind, you have never run in your life. And she went out and went to a summer running program in the the community that Coach Parsons at the local high school runs and just fell in love with running. And it's really been her, you know, I garden and I cook and bake for people. That's my mental um, stress reliever. For my husband and for my daughter they like to exercise and run which is way more healthy and then they come home and i feed them (laughs) Um, but running has just been a massive part of her life but through that running from sixth grade on she's now six foot tall and she grew really fast and her muscles had a hard time keeping up with her bone structure and she had a lot of injuries and she never gave up i mean her determination has been great but through that, she felt like, hey, you know, I'd, I'd really like with all this therapy and all these appointments and all the stuff I've been through, I really feel like I could encourage other people who are going through similar situations. So right now, she thinks she wants to do, be a physical therapist. Wow. Um, but obviously, she's a freshman. So will that change? I don't know. Um, but she said, you know, it would really she really likes the idea that she can encourage someone else and say, hey, I've been through this as well. But. I'm still running, I'm still out there doing it, so we'll see what what the future holds, but she's really prayed about it, and um, she had a great experience with uh, just really learning about God's timing over the summer. She had really wanted to go away to college and run at a school That, that was just a dream of hers, and she'd been praying about it faithfully, and we all had as a family, and that scholarships weren't just they just weren't coming in the way that we needed them to and so we prayed about it and she said mom i'm just gonna go ahead and sign up at marshall I know it's a good school um, but she knew that she she wouldn't be able to run there um, but she said the main thing is i've got to get my education and we just kept praying and she went ahead and she enrolled at marshall um, the day after she enrolled concord the coach there uh, called her and offered her uh, exactly what she needed to be able to afford to go to Concord. And he wow. had no idea, obviously, of knowing. Um, so she said, Mom, I just feel like, you know, it was such an answer to prayer. And um, it was really fun to see as a parent to see that tangible evidence of her prayer and right. for her to see that. Um, so that was really rewarding. But she's good. doing great. I mean, we talk to her every day. She asked me to come this weekend and bring quarters for the laundromat. mat." <laughs> Well, I,
0: I taught at Concord, uh, taught in the Governor's Honors Academy a number of years back, oh. and it's a nice little campus. So I've probably used those coin-op machines that you're going to put quarters <laughs> in, uh, too. But, uh, yeah, right. it's, a, it's a good little campus, and the nice thing of it is it's, it's it's far from home, but not far enough that you can't get down there in just a little yeah. bit, you know, so. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Still feels very safe.
0: You all have uh, started a non-profit called uh, the Jeremiah Tree Foundation. Tell, yeah. us, tell us a little bit about that. Tell us what the uh, catalyst was for uh, that, and uh, tell us a little bit about it.
1: Yeah, um, with having Riley and Cayman and raising our family, um, we, when we brought Riley home, the only option that we were given, and it was very appropriate, giving her the severity of her diagnosis, the only option that we were given was hospice. And of course, hospice is a wonderful program. Um, Anyone who's used it can tell you the value of what they do. Um, But for a young family trying to live life, um, it was not the right fit for us. And we started seeking out resources and different programs. And we heard about these different things. But we kind of had to do it on our own. And that was hard when you're trying to raise a child and an older child. And um, it was a lot. It, It felt it was a very daunting task. So throughout all that, we found out all these great resources that are available in our state. Um, our state, actually, we're a non-institutionalized state. And we that means that we don't put, you know, 50, 60 years ago, people went into a, a facility if they had a developmental disability as significant as Riley's. Right. And fortunately, um, we've evolved and we realize that that's not necessary. And also, it's not, it's very Uh, devaluing. um, So we can learn so much from people who are different from us and um, thankfully there's programs now that allow you to live with your loved one in a home, um, in your own home with the people that love and support them. So through that God opened a door where I could serve on the West Virginia Developmental Disabilities Council and then later become the chair of that and with advocating on a state and national level um, for resources and for opportunities for quality health care, for employment, for uh, substantial changes in education and accountability on the state level uh, for people with in- intellectual disabilities. Um, I just learned a lot about resources. And when Riley passed away, a lot of those doors were closed, um, which was devastating for me because here I just lost Riley, uh, but we had also, it, I also lost a lot of my identity um, as mother's you know, we kind of revolve around our kids. or um, So that's kind of how what we think of when we introduce it. Well, I'm a mom. I'm a wife and mom. That's right. kind of how I think of myself. Um, so it was really disheartening to not have those avenues to serve. And so we just kind of started praying and um, and, frankly, just learning to do more than tread water after we lost Riley that was just so obviously very devastating I mean we were, we're selfish we wanted to keep her a lot longer sure and um through that uh, opportunities came up and we were able to serve in the community and help and now what we're hoping to do is um help in a bigger way and we feel like we really needed to start a nonprofit so that we could be more transparent and more intentional about what we're doing um so that's where we're started. Um, a lot of people say, well, why Jeremiah Tree? Your daughter's name is Riley. <laughs> we don't get it. <laughs> um, but God gave our family a verse from Jeremiah 17. It's actually verse 7 and 8. And can I read it to you in sure. ESV? Is that okay? Sure. That's how I study. I love ESV. Um, it's Jeremiah 17:7 seven through 8. And it says, blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose trust is the Lord. He is like a tree planted by water that sends out its roots by the stream and does not fear when heat comes, for its leaves remain green, and is not anxious in the year of drought, for it does not cease to bear fruit. And for us as a family, we felt like it was so important to have a verse that we can associate with, that resonates with us. and. We first and foremost, we we are trusting in the Lord actively. We're pursuing Him. We've kind of got Him by the pervert like by the heel, like in the right. Old Testament. You know, right. we've got Him by the heel. We're not letting go. Um, but we want to be like that tree that's planted by the water, um, that that is not afraid. That's always prepared. That's ready. Um, and we want other families to feel that type of support. If, if every family in our community, in our state, in our tri-state area had the type of encouragement and support that we had while raising Riley, imagine what families could do. So when Riley was smaller, our PICU staff and um, some of our pediatricians and neurologists would occasionally have us come in to talk to new families. And when, when I would go in, I'm a good Baptist girl, mm-hmm. and I'm also a West Virginian. You have to take something.
0: You've Got to take food or <laughs> something, you know.
1: Well, I can't. I I didn't take food because you have to worry about restrictions in the hospital. Yeah. Um. So I didn't do food, but I would take in, you know, an art pack. Right. I would take in if I was teaching a family about tube feeding. Um. I took a build-a-bear that we drilled a hole in mm-hmm. and we put it in a one of Riley's uh, tube feeding. Uh, her bolus like it's called a mickey button Um, and we taught them what that looks like and what it feels like and what it does and um, so we we did these care packages and the hospital and the staff were really receptive to that and the families really seemed to enjoy it but it was one more resource for the nurses to give families to encourage them we love our nurses I mean they're just doctors are great too but the nurses really kind of get in the trench with you um, so we, we've done these care packages for years, um, but we really want to do them in a bigger way. So one branch of the Jeremiah Tree Foundation is something called Bug Hug Care Packs. And Riley, anybody that knows Riley calls her Riley Bug, because uh-huh. um, that's just was her nickname. Um, so it's a great way to honor her name, um, but also to give back in some small ways. So. We are, that's why we started the nonprofit so that we could begin to fundraise. Um, thankfully, so far, all the care packages, all the stuff that we've done has all been on donations. So I tell people, please don't give me cash because I just want to be so careful about when people give me cash. I want, I, I would rather do an item because I just want to be careful and people realize that everything that they give goes 100% to what we're doing. So we've been really fortunate. People get excited about that, and we can give them a shopping list, and we do these bug hug care packs for pediatric patients and their families, but it's specifically for families who are dealing with chronic illness and disability. So families who are staying in picky NICU, peeds for more than two or three days. So that's where those care packages go to. Um, but we are on track, it looks like just from the donations we have right now we're working on getting the packaging now that we have the logo and we have all of that ready we're finalizing our packaging but we plan to at least the first year give out 500 that's great and that's yeah that's our goal um and i definitely feel like we're going to be able to achieve that those will go to local hospitals who focus on caring for children like that Um, and also probably to local Ronald McDonald houses. And then we also have a lot of our families in the community who have to travel to Nationwide, to CHOP, to um, Cincinnati Children's. They get it somehow. I'm not totally sure how people get my cell phone, but I get calls a lot, and people will say, we're going up with our kids. or we are going to visit someone? Would you please give us a care package? And we send those, no questions asked. Um, so occasionally we get some thank you cards back or we get some feedback from families and from the hospital staff, and it's been really encouraging and well received. So what,
0: what typically would what t- what typically is in your bug hug care pack would give us an yeah, example?
1: Sure. for kids, um, it would be, art supplies. It would be um, some activities that they can do in a bed. I tell you, a big hit is really tiny uh, flashlights. That seems to be a big thing. They like to have that flashlight when the lights go out. Um, so just kind of those creature comforts. We usually do toothbrush toothpaste because I'm a mom. You got to have those that good stuff. Uh, but it's just kind of busy stuff for them to do while they're in the hospital. But then the parent packages, uh, we put magazines, we put toiletries, we, we've lived a lot in the hospital. We put good toilet paper in there. We have good toilet <laughs> oh, paper, yeah. not the hospital kind. Right. Um, and we put, um, you know, reading material. Uh, there's, there's a lot of stuff in the parent package uh, that hopefully when a parent gets it, they feel like there's a little bit of creature comforts from home. And there's always a note in there that just reminds them, hey, we want you to know you're not alone. And there's people in the community that care about you and are praying and love you.
0: Well, what are some other ideas that you all are looking at down the road for the Jeremiah yeah. Tree Foundation?
1: Well, we we would like to have several branches. Um, the, the care packs are just the start. Uh, what we would like to do, hopefully, is have an online presence where we can help with resources and then hopefully down the road as well, advocacy, so that parents can really learn things like Um, what is a proper IEP and how do you stay in compliance? How can the school be in compliance and how can you do this? Um, How can you get community-based waiver services and how can you advocate um, on a hospital level or even with the state when you have to deal with state resources? How do you advocate in a productive way for your child or loved one? Um, But the, the big goal that I feel like it's just crazy to say uh, we would love down the road to have a place where we could have some acreage and we could have a fully handicap accessible recreational respite facility um, where we can just say to families, hey, we just want you to come and be a family. Everything's accessible. Um, If you're a caregiver and you just need a break, you can come too um, and just rest and take it easy on us. That's, One of the things that we do with Bug Hub is um, occasionally we work with a couple of local vendors and they donate a night's hotel stay, two movie tickets, and dinner for two locally here in the Barbersville owner community. And we give that out to parents that we know have just been through a lot because it's important to be husband and wife, too. Um, And if you're a single parent, it's even more difficult. You're dealing with it on your own. So we say, hey, if you can find someone um, that you trust and you have that support system, take an evening and just take care of yourself mentally, physically, spiritually, take care of yourself. Um, so to be able to, it's great that we have some local vendors who help us with that, but to be able to have a place where we can offer that regularly uh, would just be, I can't even imagine what that would be like. I just think it would be such a blessing to be able to offer that to families in our trusted area.
0: Well, and, you know, uh, Ryan had the advantage of uh, some pretty wise parents, I think, there. But that sibling, the non-disabled sibling, sometimes kind of gets left in the dust, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, sure. Sure. Uh, so I think it's important that we reach out and minister to those kids, too. Yeah,
1: and it's, um, you know, here in our community, we're in Cabell County, obviously, Um One of the biggest unmet needs in our community, in our state, you hear Dr. Dobson even talk about it on Focus on the Family. Uh, One of the biggest unmet needs in ministry today is for families with disabilities. And when you look at the statistics, one in three people at some point in their life will either have a short-term or a long-term disability. Right. One in three people. So you're living in a house of two. Add one more. And one of you all, you know what you've been through in the last year with your own health. Right. um, And how devastatingly hard that is for everybody, not just the person with the the illness or disability, but also for those loving and caring for them. Um, So as churches, it's so important uh, to be not just, you know, we have a lot of community churches that are small rural churches and they're older and they're not accessible, and that's really hard. I mean, it, it was hard for us with our daughter. Um, we had a great church, but it was not uncommon for us to not be able to access areas of our church, and that limited how we could participate, um, and we needed that. We needed that time with people who loved us and accepted us, and sometimes we couldn't go, and that's hard, and nobody meant it to be that way. Obviously, right. everybody loved us. Um, unless you live it you're not aware and you know the things that impacted us and our family are totally different like for a, a family caring for a child with autism for instance um, they may just need a quiet spot to kind of wind down and um, you know take a little bit of mo- a few moments to themselves and not have the constant noise um, so every family is going to need something different but I think it's so important for churches to be able to talk about that openly and talk to families who come to the church to visit and hopefully stay, Um, you got to have open conversations, and you can't can't feel awkward about that. You have to be able to go to people and say, um, hey, what can we do to better serve you? What can we do to encourage you? Um, How can we make it easier for you to access the church and the things that we offer? Um, But the only way to do that is to really have intimate relationships with people. Right. And, I mean, that's that's a huge struggle across the board with people of faith. Is um, you know everybody's so busy, and we all just need to kind of stop and really build meaningful relationships with people. A lot of problems. I know I'm a little Pollyannish. I do understand that, but I have seen um, in my short life a lot of problems are resolved. By really candid conversation, mm-hmm. and you can't have those type of conversations unless you have solid relationships with people. And so you know to ha- to have those relationships and to know that people in the in the church care and support and that they matter and that that person is valued, whether it's a child with a disability or so many adults are caring for parents who are. Um, dealing with Parkinson's or dementia, things like that. We have spouses caring for loved ones with uh, cancer. I mean, it, it affects all of us in this area. So for us to be open and talk about these things and share and not feel afraid is super important. Like you can't constantly be worried about offending people. It never offended me ever when people would come up to us and say, hey, would you tell me a little bit about Riley or you know, do you mind if I ask a few questions? We never were bothered by that. Now, the, the questions that bothered us were more like, what's wrong with her? Yeah. I mean, right. I don't know. What's wrong with you, dude? <laughs> <You> Who <know? laughs> <laughs> asked that, you know? <laughs> oh, um, my. But gen- generally speaking, um, people were very well-intentioned um, and they want to learn more and they want to help you. Um, so if we could offer that in the community in some capacity, what, Right now it's care packages. We hope it's going to get to resources and advocacy. Uh, But obviously, I'm a firm believer that if you're a child of God, you got to dream big. Yeah, you do. I'm not going to limit him. He doesn't want that. So, you know, the big dream would be, could we, could we God? Like, could we? Like, we're willing. We're here. We're here. (laughs) We're available. Um, And hopefully that's the best ability is just to be. Available. Available
0: to God. Yeah, yeah. Well, I tell you, it's been great talking with you, Deborah. I. I uh, oh, thank you.
1: Um,
0: I wish you all the best, and we pray for you guys. A uh, couple of things here as we close. Uh, if you could give a piece of advice to mm-hmm. a parent of a child with a disability, or, or to a parent who's carrying a child that she knows is going to be disabled, what? What would that piece of advice be?
1: That's a, I don't know. That's a tough one. Um, it's really easy to say it's going to be okay. Yeah. But for us, because we were fortunate enough to have such a solid foundation in Christ when all this happened, we really knew, Jerry, we really knew it was going to be okay. Okay. Right. it really was going to be okay um, so you know when, when I can come up alongside a family that generally is one of the first things that I tell somebody uh, is it's going to be okay it's going to be hard Yeah. it's not going to be easy and it, there's going to be highs and lows and joys and suffering and there's going to be all these things that God said is part of life but I promise it's going to be okay
0: and finally, I guess, if someone is interested in more information on the Jeremiah Tree Foundation or they would like to donate some goods or mm-hmm. services or mon- money, or if you got, if there's somebody out there that would like to donate a farm for your uh, uh, retreat, uh, how, how, would they, how would they get in touch with the Jeremiah yeah. Tree Foundation?
1: Yeah, right now we're actually setting up all of our social media accounts, um, so if people can be a little bit patient with us um, while we set that up, um, what we hope to do down the road as well is to have a, an online presence with a web page, but temporarily speaking, um, we have two ways, and the first way is we have an Amazon wish list for both of those care packages for pediatrics and also for the parents. And you can go on Amazon and you can actually uh, pick what item you would like to donate. All of the items are $20 or less because we wanted to make it easy for people to be able to give. Um, When they give, they actually, Amazon sends it to us direct at our home so we don't have to worry about going out with COVID. It comes directly here and I can actually send them a notice and thank them personally for donating. So the Amazon wish list is really big.
0: So yeah, do you type in point. like Jeremiah Tree Foundation or something, or how how do well, you find it on Amazon? That's a big yeah, big site to navigate.
1: Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, what I tell families right now is, until we have our online presence, um, just call me. Uh, my, can I give my cell phone over? Sure, that's safe. Oh, okay. I, yeah. Laws, my, my let's hope my phone rings off the hook. Or you can give uh, your
0: email address. Whatever you'd like to do.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, easier is probably just my cell. And okay. 304-942-3201, and I can send directly send the link to you. Okay. Um, that seems to be the easiest way from most of the people that we've talked to is just send us the link so we can click on it and go right to it.
0: Okay. Yeah. Well, listen, I, I hope to hear more good things about this Jeremiah Tree Foundation as, as you grow and as um, as God blesses uh, you, as with with your efforts here, and and uh, I'm uh, I'm excited for you, and uh, thank you. we uh, uh, be sure to tell Ryan that we're praying for her to run quick like the wind, and that she'll have, she'll have a good time up there. Okay. Thank you. We appreciate it. and thank
1: you for giving us an opportunity to speak out loud. Um, not
0: just the way, frankly, that God has blessed us and continues to do so, but also how we spread it We really
1: appreciate that opportunity. Well,
0: thanks for being on the show. Thank you. Well, that was Deborah Davis, and what a wonderful story she had to share with us today. I really don't have anything I can add to that other than the fact that Maybe you need to reach out and get involved with that Jeremiah Tree Foundation. Deborah gave her phone number. You can call that number, and she'll give you a link. It takes you right to Amazon.com, and you can donate some goods through Amazon that goes straight to their house, and what a wonderful blessing that would be to be a blessing to someone else. And uh, like I say, maybe there's some listener out there that has a farm somewhere that maybe uh, you don't have any need for it, and uh, you could uh, consider donating that to the Jeremiah Tree Foundation to uh, be a respite for those who uh, need uh, a time just of refreshing Well, it's been great to be with you folks today. Uh, Like I say so many times, it wouldn't be much fun if you weren't here with us. And we look forward to being with you again. But until then, have a great week, and may God bless each and every one of you. Goodbye. Mm -hmm.